Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat. Joining me to look back on a disappointing home draw with Scunthorpe on Saturday are our podcast regulars Chris Errington and Jack Ball. Hiya guys. Hello. Hi Stu. And a warm welcome to this week's special guest, PAFC Displays organiser Nick Tomlinson. Hi Nick. Hi Stu. Thanks for coming in on this uh, lovely rainy day. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> it's, uh, it's always good to have you on the show. Um, Nick, we'll start with you. The flag was up on Saturday. Yep. I've got to ask you, how long does it take to get all that organised? The actual um, organising of getting it out and getting it ready didn't, doesn't take that long. Um, so it's all the background work that we do in planning to get the flags in and buying the flags and organising what we're going to do. That, that takes its time. But when it, we're actually getting the flag out and getting ready, we did that relatively quick this week. Um, we tried, because we, so we were conscious with the weather, we didn't want to have it laid at the front of the stand like we normally do. So, because if it gets wet, it's a pain to drive because yeah. it's so big. I and mean, you having to hang it in the stand. And with the weather like it is today, for example, we would never, we'd never get it dry. Yeah. So um, we decided to keep it in the bag as long as possible. Um, and I think Jack saw us taking it out of the bag <laughs> and trying to wrestle with it in the uh, did emergency. You, did you lend a hand yet? I was supervising from the stand. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, I saw, I did see Making you. sure it went up straight. It was, it was like, you know, left a bit, right a bit. Yeah. And then when you see the magician pulling up the handkerchief. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what it's like. It's exactly. coming and coming. And, coming. And, and so, yeah, so we, we snaked it around the emergency exit, managed to get it there. And then I think about three or four of us managed to sort of lug it all the way down to the far end of the Devonport end. Um, a couple of the guys turned up a little bit later. I think there were about seven of us in the end that actually managed to get the thing in the in the stand um, getting it down obviously again because of the rain we didn't want to leave it at the front of the stand like we normally do with the, the We Are Argyle flag so um, we decided that we were going to put it straight back in the bag um, so to do that again we're lugging it across the front of the double end straight into the bag and I was actually at the front of the bag trying to put it in and it, like you said it just keeps coming and coming and coming and he's thinking oh we're nearly there we're nearly there I said how much is left and I looked back and you can see the guys are still trying to pull it back across the front of the double end and it's really? just yeah, it's, it's never ending, but it is 63 metres long. So. Yeah. It's hard enough when you know when you get like a, a, a box or something at Christmas and you try and put something back into the box, it never fits in right, so oh, no. let alone how you do it no, in the bag. I mean, and that one there, we literally just have to shove in and just <laughs> push and just jump on it like you do. Again, at Christmas when you're filling your, your green bin with all your waste paper and just trying to stamp <laughs> yeah. it down, like that, just trying to push it in. Did you get to see any of the game on Saturday then? Or? <laughs> well, I missed, I, missed it. I missed the first couple of minutes of kick-off, but... Not too bad. Not too bad, no. Okay, well, let's move on to the game then. Um, Ryan Lowe felt it was a case of two points dropped. Um, I spoke to you, Nick, over the weekend, and, and you sort of said it felt like a defeat as well. So, yeah. um, Chris, you spoke to, to uh, Ryan Lowe after the game. Is that the most angry you've seen him? Yes. Yeah, by some distance, I would say, as well. And he, a couple of times, made reference to the fact that they'd lost when they, they hadn't, but... It did feel like a defeat, didn't right, it? You know, when you concede a 93rd minute equaliser, uh, particularly in the way that they did, it feels like a defeat. So, yeah, I mean, there was a couple of little bits of uh, sort of typical sort of Ryan Lowe humour, but generally um, he wasn't happy. You know, the language he used made it clear he wasn't happy. And, um, you know, if he's come in and, and seen us like that, I, I, I think it's safe to say that the player's probably got a really good telling off. Mm in the dressing room before he came to see us. So yeah, um, the highs and lows of football. After the, the, the win at Mansfield the previous Saturday, he was very buoyant. Um, I think he felt very positive about things. He, he felt maybe a, a corner had been turned in the fact that 
Argyle had dug in and been resilient and ground out a win. I think he felt progress had been made. And then seven days later, I think the same old problems that have been so common this season reappeared. And he was angry, frustrated, disappointed. Mm. Insert any word of that type. Well, I was going and to say the two was. goals conceded was, were really poor, weren't they? Yeah. Sloppy goals again. Yeah. We've, we've seen it. I mean, Jack, the, the equaliser at the end of the game is, is just unforgivable, isn't it? Uh, especially when he brought Josh Grant on, you know, to, to try and keep you know, see the sure game out. And, and Chris is right, you know, <laughs> to concede it in the manner it was. The fact it was such a direct goal, it wasn't... You know, sometimes if, if it was a world-beating free kick or, or, or some sort of good skill, you can sort of... It's not as painful, but... It was just such a... If you saw that on a park on a Sunday morning, that would have been a bad goal even yeah, in that yeah. game like that, wouldn't it? It was just a hopeful punt downfield from the goalkeeper. One bounce, no one's gone and dealt with it. It's gone over the top. And again, no one's closed the man down quick enough. Mm. They've all just stood there and watched almost. And mm. it's just that reaction. And no one's reacted at all. It's almost as if they switched off and thought the game was won already. Mm. That's, that's, how it, that's how it felt as a fan watching at that moment in time. It's, it's, as we say, it's like a recurring theme, isn't it? You know... The, not just the number of goals Argyle are conceding, the but the manner of them. Yeah, they're really poor goals, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I think I saw stats, stats somewhere as well. I mean, I think just just shy of fifty percent of our goals as well have come from crosses. I mean, we shouldn't be conceding headers like that. I mean, it just when the balls come into the box, we just seem to struggle with long balls in general. And again, that's another example: just a long ball over the top, and the defence haven't been able to deal with it. I mean, the first goal was was. Um... Alex Gilliard making a run across Gary Sawyer, got in front, getting in front of him, beating him and putting the ball in the near post. And the second goal, like I say, you know, you'd see on a Sunday Parks game. We did see Will Ameson uh, after the game, um, you know, and he was, I think, almost at a loss to explain how they'd conceded the goal. I think you're right, Nick. I think they, they'd switched off. I think, you know, there was, a, what, a minute, two minutes to go. The ball was at the other end of the pitch. Uh, I think everyone was thinking, yeah, we've, we've got this, and they've just switched off and, and not been yeah. focused. Because if, if, if they had been switched on, if they had been concentrating, that was such an easily preventa- mm. yeah. preventable goal. Score the ball. Yeah. Um, there was no need for them to concede that goal. And uh, again, that's why I think Ryan Lowe was so, so angry. You know, when you, you're 2-1 up at home that late in the game, you, you can't, you can't uh, concede a goal. And I, I did make the point over the weekend... And one of the pieces I wrote, but that's three games since the start of September where they've been leading 2-1 late on in games and they've ended up drawing 2-2. Mm. Now, you add those six points that if they held on, ifs, buts and maybes, I know, yeah. Yeah. but if they had held on to win those three games 2-1, uh, six extra points, they'd be six in the table, they'd be very close to the top three places and we'd all be sat here and despite the miserable rain banging on the window bar, Behind Nick and Jack, we'd be we'd be quite happy with how Argyle are doing. Yeah. Uh, so it's the, you worry that that might become a become a theme because it must get in your the next time Argyle are leading going into stoppage time, yeah. they wouldn't be human mm-hmm. if they didn't think somewhere in their minds, oh no, we can't afford to let. Yeah, them. no, you won't. And when you start thinking like that, that can yeah. lead to trouble. I think the first goal was in quite a poor goal to concede because oh, yeah. the, the way the ball's gone down the left-hand side, there's two. There's clearly two scumful players there. One's got the ball, one's making the overlap run. No one's come across the cover for the overlap. They've left They've left the guy, I can't, I don't, I can't remember who it was that was out there defending mm. at the time. They've left the Argyle man out there 
two on one. Mm. It was only one quick ball around the corner, whipped across the front, and they say he's got across the near post and scored. Scunthorpe caused Argyle a lot of problems down that side in the first which half, which is why Joe Edwards, who started the game at right wing back, I think was taken off at the half time, mm. and they put Joe Riley on, who I think is more naturally suited to playing as a wing back than Joe Edwards, who you know to me looks like you know yeah. a, a, the midfield holding role is, is where Argyle. He, he was he was definitely exposed on that right wing. I mean, yeah. I mean. Ryan Lowe, as we know, likes to play out from the back, and every, most of the times it went out onto the right. You know, it would be played by Wooten or whoever towards Joe, and he lost it. You know, in their own half, and straight away Scunthorpe were attacking again, and you could see he was struggling in in that position. But I think the biggest problem Argo have is it's not just one player that's doing it. You know, you could take Niall Canavan out earlier in the season when he was making the mistakes. Scott Wooten comes in, or Gary Sawyer comes in, and then they make the mistakes, or don't mark their man, aren't there to win the header. Aren't at the back post, whatever it is, and that's the issue they've got. There's, there's no one that's stepping up and thinking, you know, this is my place to win. I can get in the first team. I can stay here, because that's what they have to do. You know, try and do their jobs. Mm. I know it's not always easy, but some of the stuff that has been happening is unforgivable. And you sort of question. I'm sure Ryan knows question. Do they really want to be here? Because they're not playing some of the defenders like they yeah. really do want to. Chris, just before we move on to some of the reader questions, yeah, um, we've got some I, I, questions. Yeah, we do. Well. Yeah. But I just want to pick you up on. Um, I asked. Jack over the weekend, to be fair to him, he, he didn't, I don't think he saw it, Jack, but yeah. I mentioned to you when we came in about the referee. Ryan yeah. Lowe, you could see he was clearly mm. angry with the referee mm. at mm. full time. I was asking what that was about, and you mm. seemed to think you know what it was. Well, Ryan Lowe mentioned it in the press conference that before uh, Rory Watson, the Scunthorpe keeper, made the clearance which led to the goal, uh, the ball was out of play. Argyll had had it down in that far Devonport end corner. Yeah. Now, I can't say I saw it with my own eyes because it's a long way away, there's a minute to go. You're live blogging, you're doing this, that, and the other. Yeah. You remember oh, that, Jack, don't you? Yeah, I remember that. Maybe next story. Well, it was yeah. right in front of me. Yeah. Um, I think if I'm, if I'm right in thinking what you're going to think you're going to say is yeah. the referee stops the ball from rolling away from the side of the pitch, picks it up, gives it straight back to the keeper, who then runs, puts the ball on the six-yard box, put, pumps it downfield, and that's mm. where the goal comes from. So I wasn't sure, but I thought that officials weren't allowed to touch the ball when it comes out of play. I th- that's why when a ball goes past a linesman, it hits them, they just stand there with a the flag up. And <laughs> well, this is the exact same yeah. conversation that Stu yeah. and I had but about an same, hour ago. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> yeah. it's not the referee that's down the other end of the pitch that needs to go and win that header when the ball no. bounces. I, I think Nick must have been listening to the conversation we yeah, had, because be. you're right, the bottom line is that Argyle, it was Argyle's fault they conceded that goal, nobody else's fault. But Ryan Lowe mentioned it in the press conference we didn't raise it with him, he raised it with us. It is very unusual, I think, for a referee to stop the play from rolling, uh, stop the ball from mm. rolling away and then hand it, throw it, whatever it is, give it to one of, the, one of the players. Nick, you're right. I mean, how often do you see the ball stood by the linesman's feet? Mm. No, and the right. linesman, almost, it's like a hand grenade or something <laughs> like that. He didn't, didn't get anywhere near it and, uh, and con- tap it's, it. Obviously, it's controversial for him, isn't it? Because it's, it's technically, mm. no matter what you look at it, it's technically an unfair advantage because you're giving that opposition player the advantage to take that free yeah. goal kick, free kick, throw in quickly. Yeah, I'm not going to use it as an excuse. It shouldn't no, be an no. excuse for Argyle, but it was unusual, yeah. and Ryan Lowe did I, make a point and mention. Yeah, it. and I could understand if it was the other way around, and mm. it was the Argyle goalkeeper, you know, two one up going into stoppage time, trying to kill a game, yeah, and the referee gets the ball and says, "Come yeah. on, get on with it." But it wasn't. It, 
the fact it was a Scunthorpe goalkeeper makes it all the, the more bizarre, really. Referees don't even book players half the time to time wasting. Yeah. So it's, it's just so bizarre. It is just a very bizarre thing to happen. Yeah. But ultimately, Argyle can't switch off, can they? And they, no. they were guilty. Chris will remember the game because, as we mentioned on the podcast, you've got a brain like an encyclopedia. <laughs> but there was that free kick they switched off from when he did. Argyle have a tendency so far, to, you know, a few times to see them to just switch off. And it must be the most frustrating thing for a football yeah. manager, I think, because it's unforgivable. Well, it? let's move on to this question from Matthew Heffernan. He says, how can you stop conceding goals with so much space in behind, in behind the fullbacks? Crosses across the box still seem a real concern. They seem to stand off their wingers and leave lots of space. I sense the frustration from the fans when our goal persists with Palmer bowling the ball out and refusal to go more direct with set pieces. Is the answer simply new players? And if so, who should go? Well, there's quite a few points there, so we'll, I'll just try and go through them quickly and let, and let Nick and Jack have their say. How can we stop conceding goals with so much space in behind fullbacks? They're playing with wingbacks, so you are going to have times when the wingbacks are pushing forward, and that's why you play with the three centre-backs, because they fan out across the edge of the penalty area, and they're covering the space. So there are going to be times when you play with wingbacks where you do have space in behind, but then it's down to the centre one of the three centre backs on that side of the pitch to cover across that's part of their job uh, crosses into the box still a real concern absolutely um, low high Argyle do struggle to stay with their man it's it's fairly basic defending they must improve on it standing off wingers and leaving lots of space again I think that's I've, I've referred to that one already frustration from the fans when Argyle persists with Palmer bowling the ball out that's what the manager wants them to do yeah. that's how he wants his team to play Argon to bowl the ball out, pass the ball out, play through the thirds. This is a phrase he uses a lot in press conferences. Through the thirds, from the back to the middle, into the forwards. He doesn't want Scott Wooten or somebody getting the ball in Argyle's defensive third and clipping a 40-50 yard ball of Ryan Taylor. I saw that a couple of times on, on Saturday. Sometimes needs must, but that's not how he wants them to play. Um, refusal to go more direct with set pieces. Um, again, you know, this is how the manager wants the team to play. Uh, is this answer simply new players? The players are carrying out how he wants them to play. Are they doing it well enough at the moment? Probably not. Does he need to get some more players in? A new manager, when he comes in, um, probably needs more than one transfer window to be able to make sufficient yeah. changes and bring in the players who are Definitely. capable of doing what he wants to do. So... I'll just pick up yeah. on what Matthew says there about the uh, the set pieces. Mm. I mean, both of our goals goals came from set pieces on Saturday, mm. didn't they? So yeah, can't seem too yeah. much of an issue so there. Really, I, I see. I see some of the points that Matthew makes. Matthew makes absolutely. Those are my thoughts. I don't know about you guys. What we would have to say on that. The, the thing that annoys me most as a fan watching the games is if you're going to play that type of style, for me, the players have to be less static. If you're going to pass it, yeah. then you have to move and make a run so you're giving people options. That's what they're not doing often enough. Mayers does it quite a bit. McFadden does it a fair bit. But everyone needs to do that a bit more. Otherwise, you're limiting your, your passing options. And that's why the ball ends up going left to right, left to right between Ameson and Wooten, between Wooten and whoever it is, Sawyer, on, on Saturday. And it's, it's not good enough. They need to make a pass, then make a run. That's how, the teams, that's how good teams Passing play well in yeah. that formation. And I know they're not Man City, but if they're going to play in that style, other players have a responsibility to help the defenders out by giving them options. And sometimes that's not always the case. I think, I think Ryan Taylor as well, what we're saying about... Um, maybe putting it long sometimes to Ryan Taylor I don't think Ryan Taylor's the sort of striker that will hold the ball up well I mean we've seen over the last couple of games where maybe it sticks once or twice a game and if it's been pumped long to him there's maybe 
five or six times, it, it doesn't stick very often. It's not that sort of the, the team. The way this team set up is not set up to have a long ball pumped up. The, the I think way, if Byron Moore and Don Telford are fit or what have you, then you, it's a you're different story. Have, then you're going to have a completely different style of. Because uh, you're looking play. for a flick on from yeah. a flick on or a hold up play and knocking it around the corner. Because mm. you've got two players there that are above relatively quick. I mean, no, Brian Moore is rapid, mm. and you've got a strong player in in Telford. He's, he may not be the biggest of players in the world, but he's he's strong as an ox. I mean, this. So yeah, like you say, Chris. But if you got if you got those two players, completely different dynamic on the up front there. I just think it comes down to as well that unfortunately I don't want to single anyone out, but the Adams players eventually going to go. Yeah. And Ryan Lowe's going to get his the best defender by a mile at the moment is Williamson, and that's the only centre back apart from Josh Grant on loan that he's brought in on a permanent basis. I just don't think the others are up to the standard of playing the way he wants to play. They have good spells, and I think Wooten actually summed up Argos' defence in the second half. He had a spell of five, ten minutes where he was really good actually and played some good passing, made some good tackles, but then the following the ten minutes before that and ten minutes after he was woeful. And that sort of sums up there's still no consistency at all. And that is a that is a big issue. And until I think January transfer market comes around, I yeah. think they might struggle a bit. It's yeah. like it's like Chris said, I mean, a new manager isn't gonna come in, use one transfer window and then completely change change team. You got we gotta remember as well that we got relegated with a back line that is pretty much still in the club. And one of the issues we had last season was conceding lots of goals. We're still conceding sloppy goals. And a lot of that, 90% of that back, well, 75% of that back line is still from the Adams era where we conceded all those goals. So yeah. I, do, I do feel that in, in terms of is it, is it a new, is there, um, should we be getting in new players and who should go? I think, like Jack said, I think a lot of the Adams players will, between now and the summer, disappear. And I think we do need to bring in a couple of defenders. Um, maybe a covering striker because we seem to be getting injuries quite a lot up front at the moment I mean like say Dom Telford's gone off is it twice now Byron Moore's been injured twice and we're not even in November so it's I think possibly a covering striker as well that we need someone different to um, to either Taylor or um, or Joel Grant One final question that Matthew asks is uh, should Argyle be concerned that the attendances are or will keep dropping it's just over 8,000 on Eight eight, 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 e
you can judge what 8,000, however many it was, but Argyle are setting themselves a high bar from the normal following. You know, to be, they've had the Salford on a Tuesday night, I can't remember how many that was, 11,000. 11, right, you know, you're not well, going to get 11,000 every home game if you're not winning all the time, you know. No. I, think, I think the frustration comes as well, Jack, where we know that the fans know what this side could be capable of. Because the, the, the way that they play football, when they get it down and they pass the ball, the way that we play football, it's really attractive and it does look dangerous. But we're just lacking that, the teeth up front, I think, at the moment. They just, the we just need a settled side, like you said. Yeah. Argyle getting so many injuries at the moment. And I don't, I mentioned this last week, when I saw that Ryan Taylor was starting up, I just sort of felt that, I don't know how to describe it. I, I think Ryan Taylor's been good in his day, but I don't think he suits this Ryan Lowe formation. And it's yeah. not his fault. I think he's got a job to do maybe somewhere else. I just don't think he's going to fit what Ryan Lowe wants to do. And when I saw his name on the team sheet, Would you and, and the lack of options on the bench because of the injuries, it's frustrating. I, I do believe if Byron Moore was fit and if Telford was fit, and like Chris said earlier, it's back to maybes, I, I feel like I've got to be doing better because at the moment they're snatching at chances, they're creating some good chances, but there's no one, like you said, to finish them off. And I would, do think if they had a run in the first team, that might change. I was going to say, would you, would you think someone like Kaladi Lodos instead of Taylor, just to change that dynamic and have a young, hungry striker? I mean, I, I watched the game on Tuesday night, or Thursday night, sorry, the end of 23's uh, Premier League Cup game, and first half wasn't brilliant, but the second half, Lolos was like a man possessed. Mm. He was absolutely brilliant. Mm. He had a thunderous strike from about 25 yards, which smashed the crossbar, and he just... It was just a completely different player. It was unbelievable. It was and you've also got Zach Rudden as well, who's back now from Rangers as well, who's, who's a similar type of player. Not identical, but similar-ish to Ryan Taylor. So, yeah, Lollis and, and Rudden must be in the manager's thoughts for the, for the games up and coming um, and see where it goes from there. Ideally, you'd have... I think Don Telford's been the best striker mm-hmm. that Argyle have had this season. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he can't stay fit at the moment, so... There we go. Yeah, well, let's move on to a question from Andy Bliss. He says, uh, given how late in the day Ryan Lowe was appointed and the number of player changes, I wasn't really expecting us to hit the ground running. So in some ways, mid-table and four points off the playoffs in early October isn't too bad, particularly given where we were at this point in the last two seasons. I'm based in Glasgow and haven't actually seen our goal play yet this season. Are there any signs, are there signs of things clicking? Well, this, for me, sums up what I've said in previous podcasts, where actually... I think maybe the first two results sort of got people's expectations up that little bit higher yeah. and that's why there's been a bit of disappointment but I think Andy's quite right it's not been an awful start it's not been a fantastic start but it could have been far worse I think we were all here in July saying we weren't expecting Arnold to come flying out the traps and start going on a five game win, winning run I think Chris you might have even said it might be nearer Christmas when they start to click mm. um, and, that, and that's the case but I think those first two wins really raised the, the expectation levels and almost yeah. they sort of it's sort of hindered themselves now and Argyle fans are basing it on that certainly but the opening four, day four four, you know, an emphatic 3-0 yeah, away win is a perfect start against a team that now doing quite well yeah, yeah, when, yeah, I, when I came in for the last podcast when I, was, when I was on I think at the time we only had something like seven players actually signed on so and now we've got a full squad it's going to take time for that yeah. squad to come together in jail just, are there any signs of clicking says Andy Sometimes there is and sometimes there isn't. So I suppose that I suppose that means that they aren't really clicking, doesn't it? You know, you looked at them at Mansfield last week and they played as a unit and that was good. Uh, and then you looked at them on Saturday and it was all a bit disjointed and uh, they, they've got to move the ball a bit quicker. And when you're asking a a group of players, you've, you've basically got the 
Derek Adams squad and the Ryan Lowe squad and you're trying to meld them together into one unit and at the same time as you're trying to do that you are trying to introduce a style of play that a lot of those players aren't used to and as, as much as you would like to see them more consistent and they certainly need to stop conceding the goals the way they are but with your, with your rational football head on it probably isn't a surprise that they are a bit inconsistent and mm. things have been a bit up and down. The and key is, is they've got to just keep working, working, working on the basics and hopefully things will click. But in answer to Andy's questions, are, are there any signs of things clicking every now and then, but not often so enough? In spells, in spells and games, you say, yeah, okay, this looks all right, this isn't looking good. And then, like Jack said earlier on, five, five seconds later, you'll have, mm. I don't know, one of the centre-backs making an absolute howler or losing, or you lose the ball in midfield or out wide in the space in behind, and people are getting down the sides and whipping crosses in. So what what I would say is the most thing, the thing to be most optimistic about is for me the best players have been the ones that Ryan has brought in. You know it would be a lot worse if the best players were the Adams ones and all the ones that Ryan has signed were underperforming. That then would be cause yeah. more cause concern for, as far as I'm yeah, concerned. So, so for me, I am positive that if it gets to January and I've got still struggling, I'm sure Simon Alley's done it before will help. Well, I know he said to you after the game, didn't he? Or he mentioned the fact that he's sure he'll be given the chance to get people out and bring people in. Yeah. And that's why I've got still some optimism. I am quite happy with things. I think things something down. else that works in Argyle's favour as well is the general makeup of League Two this season. I don't see anyone running away with the, the league title or, or even in terms of winning promotion. I said to you earlier on today, Chris, mm. I think it's going to be a really tight league right up until the end of the season when the teams that hit form at the end of the season are going to be the ones that pull through. Because at the moment, everyone's beating everyone. Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no runaway leaders at the moment, is there? And even, even when you look down the league, there's no one that's really falling away massively. No. There's no, so, yeah, it's, it's still very open. Um, I think, for example, Scunthorpe, they, I, would, I wouldn't say they look like a side that should be down where they are. I, I would say, you know, they, were, they matched us really. I mean, we, all right, we played poorly, but you can only, you can only play against what's in front of you. And I've, I think where they are as well, it could be a bit of a false position for them as well. So I think that if they can string a couple of results together, it's like boost you straight up the table. I mean, like I said, we, we're only seven points off. I think it's seven points off the top three, four points off the playoffs. I, I try not to look below that, to be honest. So I don't know how far off. off <laughs> There's only one relegation to the yeah. show, isn't it? Well, so, exactly. Yeah. I don't know how far off 24th we are, but I'd say it's four points from the playoffs. If, if we'd have been in this position maybe picked up a few more points like Chris says earlier I mean, we, we could have been sitting fourth, fifth it's, it's, yeah. it's that's one of those things I think it's fine margins you know if I could see that 93rd minute goal they would be what two points off the playoffs and you know it's, yeah. it's, so, it's so close it's a different yeah, yeah, conversation yeah. then isn't it just Absolutely. A, a few seconds can make that big difference it's and, and had Argyle won on Saturday not yeah. that last minute goal you probably wouldn't get in some of the people that are up in arms and complaining no. about everything because things well we'd be saying crazy. about what good win it was even though Argyle have, been, have played poorly I suppose and so. six points in the last yeah. two games you know fine margins Absolutely. as always well another uh, Glasgow based Argyle fan sounds like we've got a global <laughs> audience out there, didn't we? I think we're going to need a, an Argyle chat podcast tour yeah, to Glasgow absolutely. can you fix it up for well, us well we'll see what we can do um, <laughs> Stephen Bryan said never been to Devon let alone Home Park um, I think we've been playing quite well night and day in comparison to under Adams in terms of attacking flair like, uh, that comes back to what you said earlier on Chris about trying to get a, a team and a system playing yeah. which is half Ryan Lowe players and half Derek Adams players yeah. and they're two completely different styles of football aren't they the, the, it's, it is very different um, and I think it's inevitable that it is it's taking time but uh, yeah two, two uh, listeners from 
from Glasgow. I'm sure there's an Argyle Street fairly close to Glasgow City Bound Centre. So, um, yeah, well, it'd be nice to have a little trip up there. I, 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 I can't believe, Chris, you still want to do more travelling. You, yeah. You're going to Swindon twice this week. You spend all your life on the motorway and you still want to go to Glasgow. And where are you going on holiday next week, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I could probably hop in. <laughs> Andy and Stephen and I could have a little Argyle chat to ourselves. Yeah, indeed. You can yeah. do the podcast yourself from, live from Glasgow. <laughs> live from Glasgow. Uh, another question from Dave Searle. Fitness seems a real issue. Mm. Key attacking players seem not to be fit, especially up front. Do you think, until the likes of Telford and Moore are consistently fit, I can't see us finishing off teams as Taylor, Joel, Grant, etc. don't have enough goals in them. That's kind of what you said earlier on, yeah, Mike, isn't it? Really? I, I agree. I mean, I'd like to see, if it was me, those that would be my first choice strike partnership in Taylor and Telford and more. Um, Grant, I think, would be perfect. He's the perfect player to bring on the, off the bench with 20 minutes to go when you've knackered a defence out, when you've got the likes of Danny Mayer in and uh, other, other, other attacking players running out, of, running out of team constantly, like Fadson as well. Once that defence is, you know, going to be on their knees when you when you're dealing with that all the time, then you bring Joel Grant on with the extra pace again and cause a bit more damage. So yeah, I would I would agree that Telford and uh, and Moore would be my um, my first choice. Fitness wise, injuries happen, don't they? I mean, you can't. It, it's one of those things. I mean, you, you look at you've got the same personnel down here as what Burry had last year, and they had a stupidly good selection. Right? Was it ninety seven percent availability rate? It was interesting, we were talking to Ryan Lowe about this and talking about specifically about the injuries to, to Byron Moore and Don Telford. And he made the point that they both missed the first 10 days of pre-season training. Yeah. And he said that that is the period where you do the most intense yeah. work. And if you miss that first 10 days, it is detrimental to your, one, to your overall fitness levels, mm-hmm. but two, you, you do run the risk of muscular injuries. And Moore and Telford both missed that first period and so I think he's attributing their problems that they've had very much to that um, so Argyle have got to find some way because you can't have a pre-season in the middle of a season no. but they've got to find some way of building up stamina uh, in terms of muscular stamina as well as stamina to run around on the pitch for 90 minutes for those two players in particular you know, when you're quick, sharp, nippy, you're, you're like a 100 metres athlete in a way. And how often do you mm. see 100 metre athletes, uh, world championships and things, pull up because they've you know, got a tight hamstring and that seems to be the problem with these two. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting that Ryan Lowe very much of the opinion that those two players are, suff- are struggling because they, didn't, they weren't around for the first 10 days of pre-season. Yeah, well, it's, it's an issue that we touched on in the podcast before as well, isn't it? Um, so... Back to the football side of things then, and um, two trips to Swindon as we say this week. The first one in the Leasing.com trophy, which Chris cannot wait for. <laughs> you're, sure. you're being spoiled this week. <laughs> I hope you're good at navigating magic roundabouts, yeah. Chris, that's all I'll say. Yeah, yeah well, I've, I've navigated my way around the magic roundabout of Swindon, Swindon a few times, so hopefully I can do that twice in one week. <laughs> Jack is going to accompany me on Saturday, though, I believe. I've seen pictures, but I've never been on this round. Oh, really? so be oh. Well, I'll tell you what, if you get to <laughs> on Tuesday, you'll still be there on Saturday. So. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a beauty. So, it um, is, isn't it? Yeah, two, two games against Swindon in the same week. It could be worse. It could be somewhere a bit further. Swindon's not too far away, is it? No. Uh, no. Let's, let's face it. But it is unusual to play the same team uh, twice in five days. Although I say unusual to play the same team. I suspect that both starting lineups will be very different on Tuesday compared to what we see on um, 
Saturday. So yeah, well, well, I was going to ask you about that because mm. it wasn't too dissimilar, was it, in the first leasing.com game? I think he made. I, I haven't had a chance to check yet, Stu. So, but I think it was five or six changes. Okay. Yeah, I think it was a reasonable amount, and I would expect, you know, after Saturday's performance, you know, off the top of my head, I, I would think the likes of Niall Canavan and people like that will will come in. He hasn't played a game for a while. Um, as we've discussed, the defence isn't on great form. It might be an opportunity for him to, to come in and show what he can do. There's, there's probably a few players that uh, are on the fringes that, that might want to get a chance to play in that sort of game. Could Jose Baxter be back after his recent absence? Could Adam Randall get a run out in the midfield holding role? So there's there's a few players around there that could, could do the run. Clardy Lollis and Zach yeah, Rudden, maybe you, you try one or both of them. So there's there's plenty of options I think for, yeah, for Ryan Lowe to try different people before they play the, the much more important game on Saturday in the league against Swindon so Swindon have had a decent start got some good players got some good attacking players uh, Luke McCormick has been playing regularly for them this season so familiar Argyle um, face there um, County ground nice ground you know good place to go and play football Jack's looking forward to being among the, the Green Army and you know I'll, I'll let Jack and Nick talk about this one because they're, they're the fans but for, for our goal to be taking 2,300 fans to the county round on Saturday when they're mid-table in League 2 it's I incredible. think is, yeah. is, is incredible I mean it's, it's going to be, be great isn't it Jack to, to be amongst all them it's my first away game this season um, obviously I did a lot of you last year mm-hmm. um, 2,300 away that's going to be one of the biggest league away crowds that Argyle have had for God knows how many years well, I think it would be up there in League 1 and 2 to be honest I don't think yeah. there won't be many bigger than that in both in League 1 and 2 I don't know how many what home crowd I've not looked I don't know what home crowds Swindon get no, but you'd think that would be a decent portion of the amount of home fans they get and it's you know <laughs> no one can criticise the Green Army and no one does criticise the Green Army of their following and hopefully it would be nice if Argyle can sort of re- repay them by putting on a good performance I'm sure there's going to be no there's not even going to be 10% of the uh the away crowd on Tuesday night I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. there probably won't even be that many inside the ground so I, I've only been to Swindon once before uh, no sorry twice before actually and that was both games we were 2-0 up and won 3-2 one was in 2004 2003 season mm. and the other was um, I can't remember it was Bradley Wright Phillips I think it was got the winner mm. and that in the, in the other one the Marino Keith yeah. goal wasn't it the first yeah, that was time, the first time yeah. that was that was some game that was, that was, that was brilliant that was a good this, is, this isn't an encyclopedia <laughs> <or anything. laughs> yeah. sending no. offs and being 2-0 down and winning it in the last kick of the game yeah, brilliant yeah, the, the, the Swindon, I, I can't uh, repeat the song that the Swindon fans were singing but it was As, something along the lines of you know you were 2-0 up and you've thrown it away <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they just were in full cry with this yeah and then Marino Keith broke away and uh, and scored and uh, yeah that was yeah it was that was a that was a good away day. It will be interesting on Saturday though because it could go one or two ways. If they win, that's what what a way to get a win in front of two thousand three hundred mm. away against a Swindon team that are tipped to do quite well this year. But on the other hand, you know they're a good attacking team, and if I got on their game, it could be quite a nasty yeah. defeat. It then, could go one or two ways, couldn't it? It could go. It could either be brilliant performance. We get one 0 win, two 0 win, whatever sort of win we get. And boost the confidence massively. You lose, and again you're right back to square one again, aren't you? Yeah. Well, it's a nice pitch at Swindon as well, nice and big. So I think that will uh, not suit our goal. Is the big, big flag going? No, I'm not going unfortunately. Oh, you're I, not. I couldn't make it unfortunately this weekend, oh. so I can't. I can't go. Um, would like to have gone and taken it. We probably wouldn't be able to take the uh, the new one, but um, yeah, it would have been nice to have gone. But unfortunately, I can't make it this weekend. 
Oh, fingers there, Jack. crossed. Yeah, you can yeah, take it if you want, Jack. No, I don't think I've got a car that will support the weight. Um, but no, I'm, not, I'm looking forward to it. It'll, some players, if he does change a few of the players, the ones that come in have got to step up to the mark. They've got to put down their rights to try and hold that hold that shirt. And hopefully, there'll be two thousand three hundred fans driving back that are very happy on Saturday night. Mm. Well, we shall see. Nick, absolute pleasure to have you on the show again. Thank you for inviting. Thanks for joining Thanks us. For coming Nick. in. Uh, Chris, Jack, thank you guys as well, as I'm always. Off for, as we speak. Yeah, you are indeed. And then off to Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get all the good jobs, though. Like. Indeed, indeed. And thanks to you out there for listening. Uh, we'll be back with more of the same next week. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening. Thank you.